0: Well, hello and welcome to Draycott Documentaries. I'm very happy this morning to be able to introduce Dot Prince to you all, who is a resident of Draycott. And Dot, you're... If memory serves, you are a theatre sister, and I think you've been a nurse for over 40 years, Um, and am I right that you've been at Western, well, I think nearly 50 years, and you've been at Western Supermare Hospital for how many years? I've been at Western now for about 17 years. I moved to Western from Bristol.
1: So it was, a, it was a nice move, just so that it saved on the travelling. As I started, I lived in Cheddar, and I've only moved to Draycott, so it's not far away, but the travelling was getting a lot, so we decided that the best thing to do
0: was to move to Weston. I'm very welcome, you are, too. And I, I know that we're going to talk a minute about the extraordinary work that uh, you do as part of a massive team, I know, about at Western under these very difficult times of COVID. But before I ask you some pertinent questions, Dot, we were having a little chat, weren't we, before we started. And am I right? Is it Florence Nightingale's birthday this very day, which is May the 12th?
1: Yes, it is. She was born on May the 12th, 1820, so that's 200 years ago today.
0: So, is it, is it what, so what is the
1: day called? It's called International Nurses Day.
0: And we are what to do? Are we supposed to...? Well, we're
1: celebrating her birthday. Ed- we don't really do anything grand as nurses. We carry on with our jobs, but it's actually known all over the world as International Nurses Day. And tonight, I believe everybody has been asked to shine a light from their windows, just as she shined her uh, lamp as she walked around
0: the wards. And don't you think at this time that it's such an important thing that we do pay homage to her? Because, I mean, you are a prime example of, of, of one of the extraordinary carers that we have on the front line. And if she hadn't done what she didn't do, maybe we'd be in a different situation today.
1: Maybe we, maybe we would have been in a different situation. I'm sure we've still had caring people that were out there looking after people, but the whole system of nursing starting all started from her work that she did all those years ago.
0: Well, what an extraordinary history, a lady, and what a pioneering Lady, well, we shall, we shall mark it this evening, and when we clap on Thursday, we shall include her in our, in our clapping. Now, we need to get to the nitty-gritty, and if I may ask you, as somebody who is literally on the front line, as um, I know that you're a sister and a theatre nurse, could you tell us what it is like at the epicentre of this epidemic working in a hospital?
1: Well, I'll start with we're all, a great, we're all in a big team together and we're all working together to get through this as best as we can. And I mean everyone. I mean porters, the nurses, the doctors, the cleaners, the, the supervisors, the caterers, the estate managers, the fire officer, everybody. I can't think of, they're all there out to make it work. We've altered the hospital at Weston, as I have. Country. they've altered hospitals at the beginning to get ready for the patients to come in and they and they did come in and people have changed roles and helped out in different situations and looked after the patients as well as they can.
0: Chris is one of the things you were telling me earlier was that in a theatre scenario in a hospital that the anaesthetists, am I correct, have been taken over towards the high intensity wards to help with the intubation?
1: Right now, the anaesthetists out there in the hospital, are all, there's always an anaesthetist looking after the patients that are on ventilators in ITU. But the situation now is that when we have operations, the anaesthetists are, are the ones that are anaesthetising the patients, and the staff in the theatre. The, the nurses and the operating department staff, to help with the initiative, And that is putting patients onto ventilators when they're having operations. So those members of staff have moved over to help with the COVID patients in ITU, which has changed their skills, really. They, they, they use their skills, but they also are helping out in areas that they haven't worked in before. So we're all trying to help in the, in the critical areas.
0: Which is a good thing. Uh, it's it's an extraordinary thing. I mean, it's extraordinary. And am I right that for less, will you describe it better? I mean, you are still doing cancer operations and and high high intense operations. What are the operations and other appointments that have had to be slightly put aside during COVID? Well, we've had to stop
1: all routine operations. That's which the word. For- planned non-emergency operations, Uh, I would say um, we stopped all all cataract operations and all the things that you would be booked for, total hip replacements and all of those sort of operations. We're doing emergencies, but very slowly. We have to take each patient and check them all through and very slowly work with them. Because we don't want to give patients COVID and we don't, you know... COVID is a very difficult thing, you can't see it, so we've got to look after each
0: step, which has made
1: everyone think about their moves that they're doing in the operating department.
0: And I think, I think that's one thing that from, well, I can gather from the news that we are hearing from various sources, that you know um, the NHS is very much open. Obviously, COVID is beyond everything the priority, but... There are still, you know, as you were saying earlier, operations are still going on.
1: Ahead. We're still, you know, we prioritise prioritised who needs doing. we're doing, we're, we're still doing emergencies, there's still people falling over and breaking their legs, there's still appendix operations to do, and there's still quite a lot to do. People are still coming in, but we're not doing the excess work that we were doing before, which which we're going to now start to try and bring back in, but can't just suddenly start doing it all and booking out patients appointments.
0: Sure, sure. Can you answer a question for me, Dot, which is there obviously is this sort of fear surrounding people going into hospitals at the moment because COVID. Should people, for example, who've broken their arm or, as you said, got appendix, should they be any more fearful about going into hospitals at the moment?
1: I think we've set up a system where we, we've done as best as we can to separate people as they come through the door that we know we can look after them. We're all protected and we protect the patient as well and we try and keep certain members of staff in a different area and we all are empathetic for the patient because we know they can't have their relatives or anybody with them. Sure, sure. After what they come in with you know, that's the hard thing, because we have to, we must keep up that communication with the the loved ones that are outside the hospital, but you can still come in
0: as a patient. So, um, for somebody like yourself, and I know the teams that you work with, compassion sounds like that is something that's really important at the moment.
1: Oh, yes, yes, you have to make people, feel comfortable and happy in their surroundings but it's very frightening it's frightening for the staff and frightening for the patients
0: as well. And I'd like to draw a parallel actually and hopefully a sort of a slightly light-hearted one but still important I mean I'd just like to let everybody know that Dot is not only a major worker at the NHS as a a theatre sister but your husband is on the front line as a postman in Bristol and you are also acting as a volunteer in our amazing community shop and you made me smile when we were talking about it because you said as soon as you went in there you wanted to get out the bleach and basically clean every everything that was on the shelves, is that right?
1: I think they'll remember me, well, and I'll be back <laughs> doing
0: it as well as the one that was always cleaning Oh well I'm absolutely sure I know that cleaning is probably the priority at the moment. Another loop that I would like to uh, join up is that um, as you know I did a a chat uh, a week or so ago with the um, uh, Draycott and Rodney Stoke Good Neighbours Sewing Group who have got together to make scrubs and bags and masks and headbands and I believe you've been in contact with them but I want to know, you know, let's follow the thread from Draycott to the hospital. So, are these wonderful garments that everybody's pulled together being made? Are they being used? Have you seen people wearing them? Are they out and about? Are people wearing flowery duvets? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're
1: definitely wearing. Uh, They've definitely got the uh, scrub bags for washing their uniforms to bring their uniforms home to wash. They're, those are definitely very useful. And. I think there have been also the headbands that have been made for the masks, because the masks have the elastic round the ears, which is quite sore on your ears if you're wearing them all day long. So they've made the headbands with the little buttons that the masks can go on. Um, the scrub The nurses have their uniforms. So the scrubs I haven't seen so much in the hospital, but I am sure they've gone to the doctor's surgeries and some to the care homes and things. So those sewers have done an absolutely brilliant job and it all helps with getting together with the community that we've got people that do that, their gift. It's a gift, isn't it? it? It is a gift. I think that's absolutely the word. It's a gift. It's a gift. If the volunteers in the shop, you know, I know
0: now that the younger ones are in there, but that's good as well. (laughs) Yeah, and as I said, when we were talking that people will hopefully listen to this in long time. You and I are going to look back and go, wow, you know, this was something that hit them out of the blue and, and look at it. And and, and that so much more good will come out of it than is bad. And I I know you have used this opportunity, which you've just done very eloquently to, to thank people for their help. But I would like to say, not just on behalf of Draycott Diaries, but... Every single person in the community, every person in the village and everybody in the world and particularly the country we live in would like to to thank you, Dot. Thank you so much for talking to Draycott Documentaries today. I know you've used this as a platform to thank people, but, you know, what can we say as a generation, as a country, and from the community of Draycott, to thank you and all your team at Western and all the hospitals and on the front line of NHS? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And I thank everybody for pulling
1: together. And I think it's making us all... All are better in the long run. Everything is is important in life, and we all know now it's being friendly and loving and nice to our neighbours and the people we love.
0: It has, and I think that's a very good note to end on. You've just been listening to Draycott Diaries Documentaries, recorded by myself, Tiggy Trethowan. The editor was Rob Elliott, and music was arranged by Hugh (laughs) Trethowan.